So hey, Christy and I are really excited. We're continuing this King of Light series. Um, in fact, we were so excited that originally we were planning on not being here uh, because we were at a wedding in Lake Tahoe this weekend. And so Friday night we were there for a rehearsal and then all day yesterday and then there was a wedding Saturday night, last night. Um, but then we were like, man, we need to be here. We need to be at church for this special day. And uh, so this morning at like 6.45, we jumped in the car from Lake Tahoe and drove back because uh, we wanted to be with you all today. We were at our 9.30 service and able to be in West Sac. But today we're doing something special. We are declaring a word over our 2019. So if you don't have a card that says my word for 2019, would you just raise your hand real high right now? If you didn't get a card on your way in, um, raise your hand. A lot of them, you guys snuck by. Um, our ushers are walking around. Ushers, can you guys... Uh, Walk around and hand these out. Keep your hand up. Put it up real high. Our ushers are going to come around and get you guys uh, these cars. There's some more in the middle here, guys. And then down front, down front here on the left, they're still walking around. They'll get them too. So here's what I want you to be doing. During this message today, I want you to be thinking about and praying about what word it is that God wants you to declare over your family and over your future for 2019. I don't know about you, but maybe you had a, a, a rough 2018. Well, let me tell you something, that God can do a new thing, that he can turn a new chapter. This can be a new page in your life, and that 2019 can be your best year yet. And so I want you to do, I want you to prophetically proclaim a word over your 2019. Anybody else? Raise your hand if you didn't get one. Last year, okay. One more down here. Um, you guys, I think that's it, yeah. Oh, in the middle, in the middle too. You're prophetically proclaiming a word over your 2019, believing for greater things. How many want to believe for greater things? Yeah. How many want to believe that God can do a new thing? Yeah. And so I want you to proclaim something over your life. And so during this message that Christy and I share, I want you to be thinking and praying. And at the end of it, you're going to come forward. Not only that, but today, we do this every year. It's our end of the year offering. And we're calling it this year our Believe Again offering because it's going towards our campaign for our new building. Who's excited for the new building? Um, we're about to close on escrow, and uh, we have a lot of money still to raise. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to announce last week that our, the church I grew up in, Capital Christian Center, they sent us a check for $100,000 to help us with our building. Come on, somebody. Give them some praise. So we haven't even raised any money ourselves, and God's already given us 100. So let me tell you, he's in it, okay? Yeah. Um, he's in this thing. And so we still got a ways to go, so we need you to be given over these next nine months as well as today. So at the end of today, you can bring your word, bring your offering. If maybe you give online, you'll be able to do that. We'll have the slide up here in a moment. But today we're continuing this series called King of Light, and today we want to talk to you about being light bringers. Everybody say, bring it. Bring it. We want to talk to you about being light bringers. So my wife and I, uh, we were at Lake Tahoe this weekend, sans kids, that means no kids, <laughs> And let me tell you, that is a blessing in and of itself. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you have kids. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so we got a weekend away, just the two of us, just the two of us. And, man, it was amazing. And uh, while we were there, um, we had all kinds of, like, lovey feelings for each other. My wife kept telling me the whole time, like, oh, I feel so lovey towards you. And you're so handsome. And I love your gray beard. And, you know, she's telling me all these things. And, uh, and so... We were just like reminiscing, and then she was like, do you want to marry me again? And I was like, nah, we already paid enough for the first wedding. We ain't doing that again. Uh, and so we were like having all these like feelings, right? We were in our feelings. And, uh, and, and so there was, there was just a lot of lovey-doveyness flowing around. But let me tell you something. Just like in relationships, 
in life, life itself can be pulled out of you just by living life, can it? I mean, the mundane, the, the, the fact that you go to a job every day and you, you come home every day and, and just the mundane of life can really pull the life out of you. And in the same way, a lot of us have this light from Jesus in us, but if we're not constantly feeding it, if we're not constantly putting more into it, if we're not constantly letting God flow that light through us, it's really easy for that light to dim. You know, we used to sing a song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You guys remember the song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then, and then there's another song we say, hide it under a bushel. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. But let's be real. Life, our jobs can be the bushel that just begins yeah. to put our light out. Uh, life, and, and when things hit us, it can begin to put our light out. It's the same way with our love. Like Christy and I understand, we need weekends away with no kids so that our love can be kindled and, and there can be some passion put back in it. It can be fed. We need that. And so today, as we talked about being light bringers, we have to recognize that to be light bringers, and what the main idea today is that the light Jesus put in you grows as it flows through you. The way, the best way for the light in you to grow is when you're saying, Jesus, I want this light to flow through me every day. Not just when I feel it, but every day. Yeah, and here's the thing. I know some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not in a relationship. I don't really know that context of um, feeding a relationship and, you know, falling back in love again. But I want you to know, especially if you're single in here or especially if it's been a year of just figuring out what God's purpose is for your life, I believe that today he wants you to become reacquainted with him so that you can become reacquainted with the desires and purposes he's placed in your heart to fulfill. And so I, feel, I believe that when we fall back in love with the God who created us, the maker of heaven and earth and the maker of every single soul in this place, you will be brought back to life when you reacquaint yourself with him and your passion to accomplish his will and fulfill the purposes and the love in your life will come to pass. That's what we're, I'm, I'm really actually trying to encourage you to do because while we were gone, um, I was at Starbucks with him and I was just like, babe, all I want to do is like plan 2019. We have no kids here. We're just re-centered. We're focused and we're just there together. And I mean, how many people have like New Year's resolutions? You know, and you're like, okay, ready for January 1st. Well, for me, I get excited because around this time we'll get away or whatever. And it's like we're, we're, we're by ourselves. And I'm like, why don't we get started on these New Year's resolutions so there's not so much pressure to start on, just on January 1st. That's what I do. And so what I was realizing was that God has these passions and these things that he wants to accomplish in our lives in 2019. And so this message can go right along with the word that God has for you um, to speak and declare over your life. And I'm just praying that as we speak, that God will drop a word in your heart and it'll reignite something in your spirit that you're supposed to do for him. Amen? So let's read. Uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go there. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verse 76 through 79. And uh, this is part of the, the birth story of Jesus. Uh, but this is a part of it that we don't often talk about. We don't often share and uh, what I want to do, I just want to set this up real quick before we read it. So what happens is Mary gets pregnant, but also she has a cousin named Elizabeth who is pregnant. And this cousin Elizabeth is, it gets pregnant and God tells her that her child is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. 
that he's going to pave the way for the, for the Messiah Jesus that was to come. So they're pregnant at the same time together. Cousins pregnant together. And Elizabeth had a husband. His name was Zechariah. And so in the passage, and I'm not going to read it, but right before this section that we read, we see the story where uh, Elizabeth's family comes to her and says to her, they say, hey, what are you going to name your son? What are you going to name your child? And she says, I'm going to name him John. Because God had told her to do that. And the family gets mad because they're like, nobody in our family is named John. And in this day, you named your family or you named your children after other family members. So like, what? You can't name him John. No one in our family is named John. In fact, you should name him Zechariah after his father. And so they go to Zechariah and they're like, oh, we'll get, we'll get Zechariah to change your mind. They're like, Zechariah, you need to change your wife's mind. Put her in her place. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and he, he can't talk. He's actually mute. And so he takes a board and he writes on it. His name shall be John. He reaffirms it. And the second he does this, God loosens his tongue, opens his throat, opens his mouth, and he begins to prophesy about his son John and about the Savior Jesus that was to come. And so that's what we're about to read. We're about to read, and, and it actually says that the family is astonished. They're in awe because here's this mute man prophesying about his son and about the Messiah that was to come. But here's what we wanted you to see. While this is about John and it's about the Messiah, Jesus, it's also about us. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus said, you are now the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are now to take my gospel yeah. to the ends of the earth. So this is a prophecy about John. It's a prophecy about Jesus. But it's also a prophecy about us. And so we're going to take this and we're going to apply this to our lives today. All right, let's go. Here we go, Luke 1, 76 through 79. And you, child, or church, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is a light into our feet and a lamp into our a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And I pray, Lord, that you would just illuminate your word in our hearts and our minds and may it change us, transform us, not only in this place and in this moment, but God, as we leave this place and we try to make a difference and impact in your kingdom, may we be the light that you've called us to be when we leave here in your precious and holy name. Amen. So, light givers, this is what we want to do. We want to give you four points, four things that light givers do. Number one, light givers prepare the way. Everybody say prepare. prepare. How many know preparation is important? Preparation matters. My wife and I prepare very differently. In fact, when we're going on a trip like for Lake Tahoe, um, as, as we did on Friday, we left. It's like, hey, have you packed yet? I'm like, no, we got like 10 minutes till we have to leave. I'll pack in a minute, right? Like that's how I prepare. How many of you are like me? You pack like five minutes before it's time to leave. I just grab it all, throw it in there. I'm good to go. Chrissy starts like a week before, right? Like preparing, laying things. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> She's giving me eyes right now and not good ones. Um, <laughs> but we prepare differently. Like she takes more time to plan out her outfits. She's got to pick out every outfit for every day and and, and preparation matters, though. Whether we prepare last minute or, or ahead of time, I believe that we need to be a prepared people. Light givers, we prepare the way. It says in verse 76, it says, And you, child, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. 
John went to prepare the way for Jesus. In the same way, you and I still are preparing the way for God. We're still preparing the way for Jesus. Some are like, I, I don't know what you mean by this. Here's what I think. God actually dropped this in my heart this week, and I wrote it down. And so I want to read it to you because I want to get it right. It says, what if we all lived in a way that valued the planting of the seed as, as much as we do the partaking of the fruit? I'm going to say it again. What if we all lived in a way that valued the planting of the seed as much as we do the partaking of the fruit? Because here's what happens. We live in, in, in a culture that wants instant gratification, don't we? Like right now, give me the pill so I can lose 10 pounds overnight, all right? Give me the workout that if I do it for one week, I'll, I'll suddenly have a six-pack, all right? Give me that one. We want instant gratification, but we also live in, in a day and, and we live for a God that often asks us to plant seeds of fruit we may never see. Yeah. And so I wanted you to hear this because I think that often we are preparing the way in people's lives and God is having us plant seeds, but we may not see the fruit. You may be planting seeds this Christmas for a family member that you may never see come to know Jesus, but God is working behind the scenes. I don't know about you, but I don't like to watch a seed grow. That's boring. But I, I want to see the fruit. I want to open the fruit. I want to partake of the fruit. But often God is saying to us, look, if you're going to be a people that prepare the way for me, that, that, that set the way for me, that means you got to plant some seeds and the fruit may come for someone else. And so are we okay to be those that prepare the way even though we may not walk out and see the full purpose fulfilled? We may not see it. That doesn't mean it won't happen. But we may not see it. So light givers prepare the way. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus. You know, John the Baptist died. He, he lost his head. He, he, he didn't get to see the fulfillment even of the church coming to its fruition. But he planted seeds. He planted seeds of the Messiah. I want us to be. I want to be. I know Chrissy and, and, and for our church, we want to be those that are willing to plant seeds. You know, we're going to old Sacramento, and there are those that have planted seeds long before us, mm -hmm. hundreds of years ago. Some of you are fruit in this church that we get to see and, and, and have a part in that is the result of seeds that were planted when you were a child. Yeah. A seeds that were planted when you were just born. A seeds that were planted because you had a family member that prayed over you, and finally the fruit has come to fruition. Yeah. They maybe never saw it, but I want to tell you right now, God is asking us. He's saying to us, listen, my church, you need to be a prepared people. Yeah. And that means you need to also be willing to prepare the way to plant seeds even if you don't always see the fruit. So let's be those that prepare the way for what God is going to do in the lives of others. Right. And, you know, oftentimes preparing our hearts has a lot to do with just positioning our hearts and positioning ourselves to receive God's goodness. And so what is Pre preparing your heart. What is positioning yourself? It's positioning yourself in humility. So examine your heart. What is the motivation for why you do what you do? Examine your heart. May God just um, illuminate and put a light on your heart so that you are preparing for the right things. Sometimes we're preparing, we're planting seeds for the wrong things, but we want healthy things to grow. So what are you preparing for? And I believe we have to do that in humility. Prepare your hearts in humility. And that will allow us to give light in another way, and it's our second point. Give light to those in darkness. If we want to give light to people, and a lot of times light means truth, right? If we want to share truth with people, oftentimes we don't do it with a humble heart. And sometimes we're just like, I'm a truth teller. 
I mean, I, I think about my family and my family. I'm the youngest and, you know, my, the oldest and the middle two, you know, they just appease mom and dad and they do everything that mom and dad say because that's what you do. And then the two middle ones are just really, you know, compliant. And I was the youngest, okay? So I was a little bit, not rebellious, but kind of. And, you know, just a little like I need to prove my point. And I, my parents used to be like, you'd be a great lawyer because you're just always having the last word. And I was like, well, you guys need to understand. You need to understand this truth. But oftentimes it wasn't received. It wasn't received because I was saying, I want to give you this truth. But oftentimes when we're trying to give light and give truth, the darkness doesn't want to receive it because of our delivery. And so I've really recognized that I've got to posture myself, prepare the way so that people are ready to receive the truth. It says this, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. When we are giving the gospel, when we're spreading the light, when we're sharing the truth, we have to do it in such a way that people will receive it. We're giving them knowledge that um, God will save them from their sins. We're giving them that, that blessing. But sometimes we want to put a floodlight on their lives and be like, examine your hearts. Think about what you're doing. It's so stupid. Get it together. And no one's going to receive that. That's not the love in the light of Christ. And so it actually made me think of my daughter, Charlie. Um, Charlie is almost four on December 26th, and she is a lot like my husband in that uh, she doesn't like the mornings, okay? Like, it's really hard for her to wake up in the mornings, and me, on the other hand, I'm like, let's wake up when it's still dark because then I'm winning at life. Something competitive in me, like, kicks off, and I'm like, I'm winning. I'm ahead of everybody, you know? <laughs> so that's me, and then there's Charlie and Caleb. And so what I've noticed was that when we were trying to get her ready for, for um, school on our timeline, it'd be like, all right, just get ready. And I'm at the point where she's like crying and I'm putting clothes on her that she doesn't want to wear. And it's just meltdown sitting. So I wisened up, okay? It took me a few months, but I wisened up. And what I did was um, about 30 minutes before we, um, we needed her downstairs eating breakfast and everything, I would open the door. That's all. Just open the door. And then the light would shine in from outside in the hallway, right? And so a little light shined in, a little wince of the eye, you know, not crying yet. We're doing good. And then about five to ten minutes later, I cue Kanan, my oldest son, who has learned to not scream and sing in her face. But no, this is what he does. So I'm like, Kanan, your turn. Kanan comes to the room. Arise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise. Anybody know the song? And give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. Hey. And he goes, Charlie, do you have the victory? And what does she do? She goes, Aah! and so it's okay. I'm like, it's all right. Canaan, just walk away. Just walk away. You shared some truth. Just walk away. If she needs to wake up, just walk away. And what do I do next? I go in her room. I open the blinds. It's the, the light-canceling blinds, and I'm just like a little bit more light shining in. And then I'm just whispering, okay, honey, I'm sharing truth. You're going to make us late again if you don't get up and put on the clothes that we finally realized that we need to plan out the night before. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm sharing things with her. And finally, I, the last step, I flip on the light. Everything's bright, and she's ready to go. She's ready to go. 
But what did I do? Did I share truth with her and be like, wake up? I mean, I had done that in the past, and I wisened up. And I said, and I realized we need to give people truth in amounts that they can receive it. Because if we try to shove it down their throats, then they're not going to receive it. And if we're truly preparing the way for the Christ, and if we're truly going to give light to those in the darkness who are going to receive it and we're going to see actual change, then we're going to do it in such a way that our hearts are postured in humility. And it's not about us sharing the truth. It's about them being in a place where they can receive it. But don't get me wrong. There's moments where you just have to hear God and he will guide you. And he will say there's a moment where you're going to have to give truth and you give it confidence but always do it seasoned with grace and love and humility. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good. So like givers, third, they provide guidance to those who are lost. Uh, in verse 79, it actually says, to give light to those who sit in darkness. You know, I was thinking about uh, my wife and I about eight years ago. We were two years into our marriage, and I was like, hey, you need to learn how to snowboard because I had started snowboarding and and I said, you got to go with me. And so we got her geared up and we went. And uh, her first day was a little rough. You guys know how the first experience goes snowboarding. If you've ever been, uh, Chrissy couldn't sit down for three or four days. <laughs> but she was trying to learn, right? She was, she was gleaning some skills and she was starting to figure it out. And so a couple weeks later, I was like, hey, let's go again. We got to, you know, get better. And we invited a group of friends. And which was great for me because then I was like, all right, see you later, hon. Like I went up the mountain with the, with the boys and, and shot down. And so she was with some girls that were also beginners. And so I went down. I, I skied till about noon. And about noon I came down for lunch. And I get to the bottom of the hill and I look over and there's the bunny slopes. And there's my wife with no snowboard on teaching another girl how to snowboard. <laughs> Talk about the blind leading the blind, all right? <laughs> and so I immediately went over there, and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm helping teach her how to snowboard. I'm like, you don't know how to snowboard. Get your board on, get up the mountain, and learn some skills, right? But it was one of those moments where I thought about, I thought about that today because, I, as I just said, you know, we provide guidance to those who are lost. But I think a lot of us, we get in this heart set or this mindset that says, hey, as long as I'm good, it's all good. Hey, as long as I'm saved, like, then I don't got to worry about anything else or anyone else. And so we see the blind leading the blind in life, and we go, oh, that sucks to be them. When in reality, our heart should break. Our heart should break when we see the blind leading the blind. Our heart should break when we see those who are lost. What did that passage say? It says, to give light to those who sit in darkness... And in the shadow of death. Do you, do you see that? What Zechariah is saying, he's saying, look, the Messiah is going to give light to those in darkness. But they're not just in darkness. They're literally on the brink of death. They're in the shadow of death. And I want you to think about that because I think our hearts should break when we see yeah. people that are far from God. Our hearts should break when we see people consulting the wrong things, yeah. trying to fill the wrong things, uh, uh, fill the hole in their life with all the wrong things. And instead, for too often, and, and we've been guilty of this in the church, we're like, we're good, so it's all good. No, our hearts should break. We wanted to create a church where people would feel drawn here, where people far from God would come in here and be comfortable and say, man, there's something different about those places. Those people accept me as I am. They love me in my mess. They love me in my yeah. junk. That's the kind of church we want to be. 
that we say, man, we want to be people that provide guidance to those who are lost. You know, you have a great opportunity. In a couple weeks, it's Christmas, and you're going to be sitting around a table with probably one, two, maybe multiple family members that don't know Jesus. I'm guessing every one of you is going to be around someone that is in darkness. And you know, it's really easy when it's family to just be like, ah, oh, well, I can't really say anything. I can't really do anything. Um, it's not really my job. But I want you to think about it this way, that they're in the shadow of death. That they are literally in the shadow of death and you have the opportunity to bring light to the darkness. Now, listen to what Chrissy said. That was a good teaching she just gave us. That you're not shoving it down their throat. You're not giving them more than they can handle. You're not trying to put them in their place. All truth must be seasoned with grace and love. But I want you to think about this Christmas. You, I'm giving you some homework. That over the next couple weeks, you would be praying for that family member that you're going to see. That you would be praying for those family members or that friend or those people that you're going to be hanging around at Christmas. Because let me tell you something. People are looking. They're searching. They're trying to, to grab on to all the wrong things. They're in the shadow of death. And I want us, I want our heart to break for them. That we would provide guidance to those who are lost. That's what light givers do. So you have some homework and I have some homework. We have some homework. Over the next couple of weeks, be praying. And I want you to look for opportunities for God to shine his light through you around that Christmas dinner table even. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of things that have happened within families. And at Christmas time, you kind of, they all kind of come back to light, right? Do you remember like all the things that happened over the year and any like harsh things that happened between family members? It all kind of comes to light because we're all together again, right? And so I think that one of our priorities this Christmas season and obviously throughout the year is to bring peace. Because number four, light givers, light bringers, they bring peace well, along with light comes peace. And so I, I love this concept because the whole plan that God had to bring Jesus was to bring us joy, love, peace, right? And so his mission was to bring peace. So therefore, if he lives, if he lives with us, then therefore we bring peace everywhere we go. So what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that brings more drama where you go to or do you bring more peace? When you come into your workplace, when you come into your family gathering, when you come into church, are you the person that everybody's whispering like, blah, 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 and like or you're whispering about everybody? Or are you the person that says, Bring, I'm bringing peace? Because here's the thing, people are in the shadow of their death. People are hurting. And they're going to look to people who have peace before they look to people who are disrupting the peace. And we want to be the people of peace that people are drawn to. And the more that we carry that light, the more that God's love flows through us. It grows in us, the light. And so I want to share this verse with you. It's Psalms 85.10. Caleb told you we were at a wedding this weekend. And, of course, this made me think of this verse because most weddings that he shares at, he shares this verse because we shared it at our wedding. Um, and it says this, love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss. And I love the imagery, obviously, for weddings. It really it, it suits weddings because of the imagery. But I love it because it really should be the motto of our lives. That when love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss. You can't have, you can't have love without faithfulness. You need faithfulness in order to have love. And if there's not right living and righteousness in your life, there's not going to be 100% peace. 
And so what I believe that God has called us to is to be a people who are about love. And the only way that we can live rightly is by receiving the love of Christ and allowing that love to cover our sins. And then we are, then we are standing rightly and therefore we have peace. Everybody in this room, I believe, wants peace in their lives, right? We want peace and we want people to experience peace. So we've got to be those people who we don't, our lives aren't all like a mess. But here's the thing. I'm not saying that you have to have a perfect life and you have no issues in your life in order for you to give peace to other people. Because here's the thing about peace. It's not contingent on your circumstance. Peace happens, true peace that comes from right standing and relationship with a loving and a faithful God. It comes and it, it comes to us whether we're having a good day or a bad day. I can say that I have bad days, I have challenges, but I still have the peace of God. And that's what people need. Sometimes as Christians, we want to just fix everybody's lives. But what people need is they need peace that passes all understanding. And that kind of peace only comes when we're living a life that's surrendered to a loving God that shifts our perspective from negative to positive and understanding the greater picture of what God's trying to do. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. So let's have the peace that passes all understanding, right? And that's the peace that we need to dispense to people. And that's the light that we'll carry and people will be drawn to. And they, they're going to want that too. Amen? Amen? Yeah, I think that this idea of being peace bringers, I love the idea of, of being reconcilers. Yeah. That we bring reconciliation with us wherever we go. You know, in a culture that needs reconciliation, we need racial reconciliation. We need class reconciliation. We need relational reconciliation. God is a God of reconciliation that takes that which was broken and separated and brings it back together. He restores marriages. He restores relationships with parents and friends. He restores brothers and sisters. He's a God of reconciliation, restoration. And that's the peace that we carry. A peace that brings that which is separated, that which is broken, back together, back in a right standing. So today, man, before we go, before we declare a word over our 2019 and bring our end of the year offering, I wanted to challenge you. Because I think a lot of us are in this place and if we had to be honest, we would probably say our light has not been shining as brightly as it should. If we had to be honest, we say our light has been hidden under a bushel. Maybe a bushel of negativity. Maybe a bushel of fear. Maybe a bushel of your job. Maybe a bushel of a relationship. Maybe that light that used to shine brightly for Jesus has been hidden little by little because of just life, because of circumstances. And I'm here to tell you, you can make a shift today that simply says, God, I don't want anything to hinder my light from shining any longer because I'm a light bringer. And you've placed that light in me. And for too long, I've let that light be hidden. And from now on, when I walk into a room, I'm going to shine. Yeah. When I walk into my job, I'm going to shine. When I walk into my family, I'm going to shine. When I walk, when I get home from work, I'm going to shine. Even though it was a hard day. Don't let life put a bushel on the light that God has put in you. Don't let it happen. It's really easy, church. It's really easy to let all these things, all these circumstances put a bushel on your light. 
But I'm here to tell you right now, it's simply a shift in perspective that says, God, no longer, no longer. You've given me a light. It was not meant to be covered. It was meant to be shown brightly for you. I'm a city on a hill. I'm a light that you can see for miles and miles. And so I want to challenge you today because some of you need to recommit yourself to shining brightly for Jesus. You've been okay with a dim light. You've been okay with a light, a light that's covered by a bushel. And today God's saying, no, 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 no. It's time to make a shift. I'm going to shine brightly for the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me across this place?